You've joined us in the Bereavement Room, a podcast for our community, faith and culture, featuring representative voices from across the UK. And I'm your host, Kolsima Ali. Today's guest is Andrea Lungay. Hello, Andrea. (laughs) Uh, How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Doing good, thanks. I'm really excited you've joined us today to talk to us about your brother who sadly died in 2017. Um, So thank you for wanting to share your story with us um so tell me a little bit about yourself your background where you're from and kind of what you do yeah no problem um so I'm 22 years old um I was born in northwest London to a mother who was born in Dominica in the Caribbean Mm -hmm. and to a father who was born in Sierra Leone in Africa West Africa um they met in the UK and then had me in London um so yeah I've, I've grown up here at the moment I am a freelance director and producer in theatre and film as well as an independent um talent agent and also an independent travel agent so it's all kind of freelance stuff that I'm doing at the moment yeah. wow so so you're kind of um you are your own boss yeah basically yeah Yeah. what's that like juggling everything must be fun and challenging it is quite it's quite difficult I can't lie um Mm. definitely structure organization is so important or else you just end up winding up doing nothing for the day but it's definitely like hard work determination and just it's it's like hard work but smart work if that makes sense yeah definitely I like it. Hard work, but smart work. (laughs) Nice, nice. Um, I'm so happy we connected. We met in the BAME creative group. Um, So that's fantastic. Yeah, it was created by me, actually. Oh, no Um, way. Yeah, the BAME creative hub was created by me um, as like a branch off from my company, Hidden Views okay um so yeah like it's, it's quite mad that that's how we connected wow that's amazing I didn't I didn't know that you were the owner of that group that's amazing <laughs> wow I feel even more privileged like now actually no, definitely a privilege <laughs> talking to you definitely a privilege talking to you. Oh, amazing so Andrea you know in your own words go for it um tell us about your brother Darren um So my brother was a very, very intelligent man. Um, He grew, we had different fathers, um, but the same mother. Um, And ever since I was like, from, from when I was young, like he would take me everywhere. He would do everything for me because he saw me as like a shining star 
like not to blow my own trumpet, but do you know what I mean? Like he saw mm-hmm. me as a as a shining star, and um, he's like a massive inspiration. He was a massive in- inspiration um, for me, especially in my career and and those kind of things. He studied in London, yeah, and um, his first like kind of venture was like music, and he had like a little group with his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, like a music group and like his creativity is is one of the things that really pushes pushes me now to kind mm-hmm. of like go into the creative field and stuff like that um and then he made his own business um selling kind of like like oh, what is it like building materials wow um yeah and he named the company it was AVL London which was like my initials oh, okay um so yeah like it was kind of like I saw my I think he saw me as like something to work for and I saw as him as something to work towards like that's the life I wanted like how he was yeah yeah he's definitely a very and very intelligent and he was very self-aware and aware of of like society and the the way the world works and he Mm. really his passion was family and building his family and bringing up his family, like building mm. us up kind of thing. Yeah, he sounds, it sounds like the relationship you had with him was sort of you inspired each other. You were Definitely. close, yeah. Yeah, so um, so did Darren have his own family? He's older than you, is that right? Yeah, so he's a lot older. My, my parents are quite old. But um, <laughs> he he was um, in his forties, so he was a lot older than me. Oh, wow, twenty years older than me. Mm. And um, he 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 didn't get he didn't have the chance to start a family. I think he he wanted to. That was his like plan in the next like two three years was to start a family because he had met a late uh, woman that he really really loved and you could tell he really really loved her mm-hmm. and I know he wanted to take that next step with her and like start a family but he never really mm-hmm. got to have children get married all of that thing he was very much career focused and career driven yeah wow so so how old was he when he died then was he 40 or yeah he was in his 40s I mean yeah. I never really understood I never really remember how old my brother and sister are because they're like way older than me. But I yeah been probably like forty five maybe. Yeah, I can empathise with that. I yeah. similar to you. I have older siblings, and sometimes I forget their ages as well. <laughs> it just happens when there's a bigger age gap, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, I know it's really hard to kind of go back and relive the tale of what happened. Are you able to kind of take us through what happened to Darren, you know, the, the run-up to, you know, was he sick or kind of what yeah. happened? Yeah. Um, so my brother, the lead-up is kind of interesting. Um, he, he, his girlfriend um, woke up and he wasn't breathing and then she tried to bring him back and um called the ambulance at the same time then the ambulance managed to um bring him back but he was having like these seizures these like electric seizures which I think I'm not too clued up on like the health aspect of things yeah I'm not a doctor but Mm -hmm. um my brother had like a really weird 
kind of level of electrodes like he was very he had he was kind of like storm he had a lot of electricity in his body wow and like even if even if you would plug in like his phone he would get like a shock like he had so much electricity so my thing my thing is when they did the little what's that thing called you know when they resuscitate you with the thingy yeah yeah what is the name for that i don't know I, I have no the resuscitation idea. machine thingy, yeah um, i feel like when they did that it kind of sent like it kind of mixed mixed with his electric electricity and was like because he kept having these like seizures mm. and then they put him in a coma and he was in a coma for two weeks um and then eventually they um he passed away um i'm not I'm not too clued up because I was at university when all of this was going on. Mm. Um, but I saw him in the hospital a few times and I know they were trying to like um, get a response from him that didn't involve like a a kind of like involve the, a seizure kind of thing. But um, I guess they just weren't successful in it and eventually he passed away Wow! on the 15th of April. 15th of April 2017 yeah wow that's so incredibly sad I I can't imagine what that must have been like for you guys as a family and I I guess his girlfriend did you say he was at his girlfriend's house and yeah they had a house together and um that's where she yeah it happened there um and so wow so did did she do cpr at first or she waited for the ambulance or um, she tried she she attempted yeah. and i think she kind of was getting somewhere but you know in all the shock and everything like that it gets mm. a bit difficult mm. yeah of course it would because you, you you know you're in panic mode and yeah. then rescue mode and yeah that's definitely. a lot to take in but i think i think he would have been fine if it wasn't for like that that two week yeah it was just like the aftermath of that kind of thing do you know what I mean uh, as in when he was induced into the coma yeah or? I think from then on it was kind of like where it gets a bit techie as I say yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's uh it's kind of medical language isn't yeah it? what's going on so were you able to ask you know that your family or his girlfriend at the time uh kind of speak to the doctors to explain it in plain English or was that kind of hard or yeah I mean I think they have a better understanding of what was going on Mm -hmm. um and I know that my mum definitely sat down and needed a lot of explanation because you know it's a bit difficult to to understand if you're not in that field um yeah of course but I feel like we had so much family and I think it was difficult for the doctors to kind of have that conversation because if it was my mum in there then it would be my sister me my aunties uncles cousins it's kind of like I can't be talking to 25 people (laughs) kind of thing so I think my mum and my sister definitely know the ins and outs but um because I was at university it was quite difficult for me to understand Mm. like what exactly happened Mm. every day of that week and and everything like that 
Yeah, and that's quite normal, isn't it, when something traumatic like that or sudden is happening? Because uh, we're all in different places and certain yeah. family members will go to certain appointments and meetings. Yeah. Uh, gosh, that must have been so hard. I mean, where were you at uni? Were you away from London or were you? Yeah, so not too far. I went to university in Southend on Sea. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it wasn't too bad, but it was definitely further away. Yeah, from, of course. Yeah, from London. Yeah, yeah that is quite a bit of journey. Yeah. So, so wow. I mean, gosh. I mean, did you find out what happened? Did was there a post mortem or a, an inquest or you know, I don't know what they call them. I think it's post mortem yeah, actually. So, yeah. Um, they said it unexplained circumstances. That's what it said. Wow. Yeah, it's undefined. They they're not sure what exactly it was. I can't get my head around that. I know, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So how does that make you feel? How did that make you feel? And, you know, your I know your mother's not in the interview today, but yeah. uh, maybe you could kind of talk us through what that was like for you guys. Well, that's my mum's only son, so I know it was so hard. It still is hard for her. And, you know, you can see it um, in in everything and and definitely for my sister you know she grew up with him she was only a few years like three two or three years younger than him so they she's literally had her whole life they were like twins you know literally had her whole life with him and um yeah it was hard like it was I think it's the how random it was you know it's sudden yeah it's so sudden like he caught he literally called me like uh two nights before and yeah. was like oh call me because I need because he helped me set up my business he helped me register it and he mm. had some questions for me to fill out or something mm. and I was at obviously at uni so I wasn't I was like yeah yeah, yeah I'll get back to you but I didn't mm. um and I sent him a text on that night said okay when you get back from work call me but obviously oh. so it's just crazy like it's just it just came out of nowhere out of the blue he wasn't unwell he wasn't like anything like that was could have yeah been. it's crazy yeah so I mean how does one deal with that kind of shock you don't I guess but like what was the do you remember what the feelings and the dynamics were like between you and your sister and um, your brother's girlfriend and your mum at the time what was what were all the different re- reactions kind of while yeah. he was in the coma and after I guess I mean, while he was in the coma, it was kind. It came. It kind of became a routine of like everyone going to see him at like various times and all of that. It was kind of hectic, kind of manic. My mum basically lived there the whole time um, in wow. the hospital. Bless her. Um, and same with my sister. And my sister was there when it actually, like, when it all happened, mm. kind of thing. Mm. Um, but after, particularly after. We all kind of dealt with it in different ways. Um, Talk me through how you dealt with it. So me personally, I worked, which I know a lot of people have their opinions on it, um, like particularly in my family. But sure. I just worked because it was a lot easier for me to... I didn't want... Um, I didn't want to waste time. 
Mm. So I know that my brother was the type of person who worked hard. Mm. And it made me think he wouldn't want us to sit and just delve into it. He would want us to keep going and to make it worthwhile. Mm. It's more like life is too short rather than, yeah, oh, he's gone kind of thing. And I looked at it as, well, I'm still at university. He pushed me to go to drama school. He pushed me to start my company. So why why waste time in mm. waiting? Let me just go and do it. And that's that's really what pushed me to do all the things I'm doing now. It was that idea of like, well, life is very short and something like that can just happen. And mm. where would we be, you know? So we need to make the most of every day. And mm. I would say that to a certain extent, yes, I should have. I, I could have kind of talked through it more and kind of like deal with it in that way but I knew that at that time I was literally towards the end of my second year yeah end of yeah. my second year I knew I wanted to leave drama school with the first I knew that um it was also we were preparing for our first production because that's the company the company was set up and we're preparing for our first London production yeah um, the Camden Fringe and I was like I don't have time right now so let me channel this energy that I currently have into creating something beautiful Mm. and I think like that's that was it it was like that was your coping mechanism yeah it was it was work and I think to a certain extent it still is Mm. so it's not that you're not grieving you've decided to channel your grief into getting stuff done a hundred percent do you ever do you know did you ever talk openly about your feelings I know you were you, you had a lot going on with studies and you, you know the relationship that you shared with your brother it sounds like you kind of did what you know what your yeah. brother would would have wanted for you and everybody but I mean did, was there anyone in your environment like co-workers or friends yeah. or, uh, that kind of that you did sort of talk to about it yeah it was it was crazy because um I came down to London to mm. obviously be there on the day and the day after and the day after that and then um I went back to uni Mm. and the first night I got back to uni, my Mm. friends, I have like a group of friends, which I call Mm. and they made made a dinner. They did like a a massive dinner, like a roast dinner. Um, And they didn't say anything. And they just said, you know, let's have dinner. Let's, joke and laugh and they were like just tell us your memories about him and that's all I did I just spoke about him that whole time and we laughed and we joked and wow and then um what my closest I'd say the one I'm most close to um he kind of he's he stayed with me that night and we kind of spoke and he was like just tell me like how you're feeling and I kind of for the first time in that whole time, I kind of just let rip everything. Yeah. I was just like, I just think it was so soon. I just feel like it's not fair. Um, And I have to be strong for everyone else, but no one's strong for me kind of thing. And he was just like, just cry. 
and I cried that whole time. He just oh. let me cry on him, and I just oh. cried the whole time. And then he was like, "Good, now you can go to sleep." <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what I did. <laughs> it's exactly what I did. Wow. So this friend of yours, he kind of gave you that space. He held you really. Yeah, definitely. Wow. And I'll, I'll always, forever, be grateful for him for that like always always Mm. yeah I I mean I guess something as sudden as that um it's really great if you're in a supportive environment where people do give you that space to deal with it the way you need to like your reality and your truth of the situation yeah Uh, um so I'm kind of curious that it's your friends you know that put this dinner on for you I I love that they kind of you know you're talking about all the happy memories tell me about your brother I I really love that that's amazing how beautiful like amazing friends yeah they're great (laughs) they're honestly great (laughs) it's this squad this crew you've got love it yeah um they're really they're really good and and I think it's that creative element, you know, um, because they were thinking of like ways, like they knew what I was, what I was going through at home, and they didn't want to recreate that. They instead they were like, "We are your family. We're just a different family," you know. Sure. And I, I, I really felt that that evening. I really did, and yeah. I don't think they'll ever know how much it actually meant to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think they ever will fully, like, like, and they all came to the funeral as well so to talk us through the funeral how was that what kind of funeral did you guys have was it religious cultural um so yeah it was kind of religious I mean that my my relationship with religion's a bit meh anyway but um Mm. um which is quite ironic because so was my brothers but (laughs) okay yeah but my my family are quite they're christian um, it was christianish I guess mm. um I read I wrote a poem for yeah. for the I, I wrote a, I wrote a poem anyway um mm. because that's how I a lot that's a way I really release my emotions um yeah and I read it to my mum and my mum was like this is really good I've I think you should read it out at the funeral so mm. I was like um I'll see like I'll see how I feel whatever but they put it in the program anyway, um, and we had, uh, you know, the normal church service, yeah. and you know, my sister got up, my mum read the eulogy and all of those yeah. things. Then yeah. we went to the crematorium. Okay. And stuff there as well. Like yeah. they played his favorite songs, two songs that he really liked. Oh um, yeah, what were Darren's favorite songs? Fallen Soldiers by, oh God, what's his name? DeMarco, I think it is. Yeah. It's a, like a dancehall song. Yeah. Um, yeah, DeMarco, Fallen Soldiers. And Optimistic by The Sounds of Blackness. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, really nice songs. Yeah. Optimistic. Uh, kind of, uh, I mean, Darren sounds the way you describe him and your relationship that he was very optimistic and 
positive kind of go-getter person is that right yeah definitely definitely. yeah it was the perfect song yeah wow um yeah and then we had a massive um a hall party oh after yeah wait um and we he had (laughs) so funny so they made they put the poem on a kind of bookmark Mm. and they had it on every seat in the hall and I was wow I couldn't believe that I I, I couldn't believe that my poem was like everywhere it was it was really weird but a lot of people read it and was like no I feel you and I understand where this poem has come from Mm. and then um we had videos and pictures and we had speeches and actually one of my friends got up and spoke Mm. um she's a um, my business partner but also one of my friends close friends yes from uni and she spoke about him and she only Mm. met him once um wow but she spoke so brilliantly wow and the whole room was just in tears because they were like this girl has known him for less than a year and has already got him to a tea kind of thing and it just made everybody mm. feel like wow that first it reminded them of their first time meeting him you know mm. wow um, it was good. wow That's... so um i mean you talked a little bit about well, you've kind of said, you know, this is how you grieved. You went to work, you studied, um, you had a coping mechanism uh, and you had a safe environment within your friends network. But uh, you kind of also mentioned that your mum and sister dealt with things in a different way. And that's why you find the deaf conversation quite interesting because of how people react and grieve differently. Yeah. Do you remember much of what your mum's reaction was and your sister's and how that kind of worked, you know, in the dynamics between you? I think my sister kind of got a shock because she was always like the middle child um, in a way. Mm. And now she became the eldest. And Mm. I think for my sister, it, it was so much more than just the death. It was, okay. so what next now? I'm, you know kind of I'm next in a way like I you know I'm the eldest now I have to carry this baton and along with it comes everything that my brother did with my mum now has to be with her and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and I think it was a lot for her um to deal with um it's interesting she actually wanted to do this with me but we just couldn't organize a time between us two to be here together but um I think from what I observed, my sister kind of felt like she had lost the twin in a way, you know? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's very difficult, very difficult. And she relied heavily on my brother. And now I realise a lot how much she did mm. um, in everything, like emotional support, physical mm. support, help with just, like, moving stuff or driving her places. And it was just... Yeah. Um, and I think my mum felt the same too. I talking to her now I learned that they spoke a lot and there's a lot of things a lot of advice he gave my mum um Mm. that I think she is now missing not in a bad way but it's just that no one can give that advice like he did yeah Yeah. and I think he was very much a friend as well as a son to my mum and I think Mm. um 
his death came after my grand's. Yeah. Like yeah. a year after, I think. So that was hard. Like my mum lost her mum. And yeah. she's the eldest as well. Um, and my mum lost her mum and then she lost her son. And it's just a lot. It was just a lot for her. She was mm -hmm. just dealing with one thing and then another thing and then another thing. It's just a lot for her. I think she was yeah. just, she felt very tired, I think. Yeah, it's very heavy. It's mm -hmm. a heavy thing to carry. Definitely. With you in such a short period of time, you know, if you've already been bereaved and you're kind of, you know, and then another bereavement uh, so close to you and to lose a child as well. Uh, they say that, you know, all bereavements are hard and they're, you know, it's heavy to yeah. carry. But they no, say ch so. child bereavement is yeah. something else. Nobody um, wants to bury their child. Nobody wants to bury their child, exactly. Exactly. Wow. So, I mean... At the time of this, because I wanted to talk to you a bit about compassionate leave, actually. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Like in the UK, I mean, you you were studying at the time and working for yourself, right? At the uh, time, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, like, do you know much about compassionate leave policy in the UK and how it works? You, I you actually don't, and I feel like my university didn't did me dirty. I'm not going to lie Ooh, to you. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I feel like my uni really did me dirty. So, um, I obviously, it happened into into the beginning of my last term mm. it, of my second year. Um, and we had, I remember I had class and I, I didn't want to say anything. As in, like, I didn't, I just, I already struggled with drama school. Like, mm. being the only black girl, full black girl in my class. It just no was way. Like, yeah. No <laughs> so, way. So it was just already long for me oh, to even God. exist. Um, oh, God. Yeah, you no. were really a minority. In, well. I was, I mean, <laughs> my my year was pretty good um, for minorities, but I was the only full black girl. There was a... Um, Man. biracial a half black half and um, white female but then and I think an Asian um but it just got a bit it's just yeah it was long like it was very very long especially to add insult to in injury I was from northwest London so it's like everyone thought I was gonna stab them <laughs> but that's a, that's a completely no seriously one girl actually said oh I thought you were gonna stab me when I first met you I don't know why but people are weird <laughs> yeah. that's so inappropriate how did you handle that uh, you know when you're just in your grief how did you handle it do you know what I mean it was a shock um but yeah I, I don't know you just kind of look at it and you're just like you know what god will will come for you one day it's not yeah. me that's gonna it's not there's, me it was, <laughs> you'll soon learn something a special place in hell for you god. girl yeah whoever you <laughs> believe in the sun whatever is going to come for you and collect you it's fine but um, <laughs> honestly, I was like, "This is above me. <laughs> it's above me." And and yeah. you know, I walk in the light of the of the sun rays, yeah. so nothing nothing can hurt me. And you had but, other um, things going on, obviously. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh. Um, I remember it was the class I said actually said it in was clowning. Surprisingly, and I hated clowning. I hated it. 
I still hate it. What's anyway, clowning? It's like a it's it's learning how to be a clown, basically. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's basically just um finding uh, the most difficult class for at that time as well. It's it's about finding your true self and being vulnerable. That's what mm. it's all about. And mm. and finding the comedy in vulnerability. Mm. Which wasn't the best time. It wasn't oh. the best time for it to come for me. Interesting. Because I was already in the state of un- feeling uncomfortable being, obviously, one of few ethnic minorities in drama school. And sure. then to have that have to be vulnerable after the death of my brother was just long. But yeah. I remember it was the first class of clowning. And we had to go around the circle and um, say how our day has been. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to do this. So anyway, <laughs> went round and everyone's saying their day. And I was like, yeah, guys, my brother died. And then, like, oh. they all kind of looked at me like, are you, was that a joke? Or, and I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to be here. Um, oh. And it was just, yeah, it was terrible. It was awful. Um, but my... Okay. Yeah, but my tutors didn't really... I think they saw they they thought they thought I was strong. Like they know I'm a strong person, but so I yeah. That doesn't mean nothing. Like it was kind of like <laughs> yeah, nah. You can't really leave. They said to me because we've I've started the term. If mm. I want to leave, I would have to redo the term. Ah uh, no, okay. And I wasn't going to do that. Because I did, I wanted to get out. I just wanted, I just wanted to pass the degree and leave. That's all I wanted. And it was kind of like they kind of, they were kind of like, yeah, no, we we hear you. If you want to take a day out, that's fine. A day. But yeah, and they were like, obviously the funeral and things like that. But I was like, you guys are just not. It just wasn't enough. Like I. I didn't. I already didn't have the relationship with them to kind of talk to them about wow. how I was feeling, and they didn't recommend anything. I didn't know you could go to like they give you grief counselling in university. Yeah, there's a pastoral service. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't know you can talk to people. They didn't refer me to it, and I think it was just because they thought, well, you know, she's okay. Her grand passed away last year, and she was fine. You know, she can deal with. It. Do you know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, that's no, liberty. Like, this one actually really affected me, and I could have done with some time, but I just felt like I was already having to work 10 times harder than mm. everyone else in this class. I mm. can't afford to not be in class, mm. you know? Yeah, I hear you. And uh, <laughs> that's so hard, man. You're like, so you were the only black girl basically in your class? Yeah. That's so hard. Like, you're probably having to explain yourself to these people, this institution, all the time, probably. How tiring is that? Especially when you're, like, born and bred in the UK. Like, you shouldn't have to do that, quite frankly. No. And it was interesting, because the course I was on um, was called uh, World Performance. Mm. And it had a lot of international students. But for some reason, it was like as though they just... They were like, yeah, nah, she's like, in, she's like the internationals. And I'm like, no, I was born here. Like, I don't understand what, I don't understand your logic. Ah. Just because my culture is slightly different doesn't make, you know? You make you less British. No, it's, it's just weird. It was wow. Just... That's, 
that yeah I mean it's laughable and I'm really glad you're laughing about it because I that would make I'm sure it made you angry but what yeah, can you do I think if I've not laugh too many times in uni for me to really? know really yeah honestly oh. it was very isolating and like my squad they're um they're all black but mm. my the very few that exist in drama school but um mm. I think squad really they 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 helped me through that oh 100 percent. they were we your counselors sorry they were your counselors or yeah definitely we used to have this um we used to call one of my friend's rooms headquarters and um every so often we would go to the headquarters and then just rant we just used to say just anything that's happened in the day that is just a lot for you wow just come and just talk about it like my friend used to get stopped and asked um for drugs yeah. as in like people would come up to him and be like oh yeah can I buy drugs and he's like do I look like a dr- I don't understand why you guys continuously ask me for drugs because I don't sell drugs I don't even do drugs I don't I have nothing to do with it but so this is people, white yeah, people because he was black with cameras they're like yeah oh, okay. nah, definitely sells drugs like fully how bloody God, that's so ignorant like 100%. what terrible. the hell Oh my god! I, I, I mean, I don't want to. I know you already mentioned what uni you went to. Let's not go over that again. Let's hope everyone's forgotten the name because <laughs> we don't want to get into trouble. Um, but that's really disgraceful. I think, like what I'm hearing, the in terms of the support and also how minority students are being treated. Um, because you're minoritized, you're not a minority at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, 100%. They minoritized think, you, so. Yeah, it's interesting, it's interesting. I mean, I don't, personally, I don't really have a problem with, like, out in that university because I'm always, I'm always screaming about them. But, um, <laughs> mm. but I find that, like, like, now, um, they're doing a lot because people like me complained and, made good noise you. you know good and you have to for yeah. change to happen you have to and I will never stop and I will continue because it's very important but good. I wish that they didn't underestimate because hmm, there was a girl and her her relative passed away mm. and I remember her taking a long time like like months off I think she missed the whole term I'm not maybe I'm exaggerating and maybe I'm re- thinking but she missed a lot of time like I remember it was a lot a lot of time and she's she still stayed in our year she still graduated everything was fine and I just remember looking and I was like am I not crying enough do I have to ball in class for people to be like this girl needs to not be here or mm. do I need to what do I need to do in order to get this this kind of help because yeah because I'm not I'm not going to I'm not I'm not going to start crying in front of these people it's just not gonna happen yeah and everyone has different ways of grieving and processing crying isn't always the right way but for some strange reason in our society and culture our natural instincts are to go to the crying person rather than the strong or angry person yeah and yeah and it was I think it was jarring for people to just be constantly like you're so strong and I'm like I'm not 
but we we're here now so we move you know did you say that to them that you're not strong or you just kind of what did you say when they said that to you that you're strong Andrea I just didn't say anything because it it just was again it's like it was just another added longness it was something else yeah you shouldn't have to explain that yeah they should know they should know regardless of whether you're crying angry sad a strong person keeping it together that they should have come to you and said look regardless of what decision you make these are the resources that are available to you to support you through this difficult time yeah and I I really I don't think I'll ever ever and I, I told them this before I left um, because I also did a year there in the students' union just to make some extra noise and shake some more tables. But um, mm. I, I was like, I'll never forgive them for not allowing me to, like, not helping me through that. And the unfair treatment I believe I received there. That's your truth and your reality, so yeah. Definitely. I don't think I received half as much understanding, help, as some of the students that were there Mm. and I would really love to read up about compassionate leave because where is it (laughs) good question there's there's so much stuff um on UK employment law and compassionate leave do you want me to read the policy to you for what it is in the workplace oh yeah definitely why not yeah because I don't know what the compassionate leave policy is like in universities you've touched on something good there which I'll take away and research so mm-hmm. don't know what it is for education but for work um if you're you know whether you work in retail banking uh, you know if you're a lawyer nine to five whatever it is let me get the policy up for you I think I saved it here one of the most right here we go and I'm on Peninsula Group Limited mm-hmm. uh, but you can get it on lots of different sites you can probably go on uh, gov.uk and get it there as well. So one of the most difficult situations you'll ever have to face as an employer, wow, is when one of your employees loses a loved one. I I love how they've written that. Um, Wow. Yeah, and I think that's because the employer has to make the judgment call um, on how much leave an employee is entitled to. So... um, how many days are you entitled to bereavement in the UK? The answer isn't straightforward since there's no specific law on the matter. So there is no legislation. There is no policy, actually. Wow. Uh, it's not statutory. You don't get paid. But I think they say, I think ACAS, um, who kind of deals with a lot of employment stuff, I think they advise employers in the UK that uh, for emergencies, you can have one day. But, yeah, one day. It's ridiculous, right? But many businesses give three to five unpaid days for bereavement leave. But, of course, it depends on where you work. I've heard some organisations are really good and they'll give you everything that you need and they'll have a a counselling, you know, an employee assistant assistance program in place we can get a counsellor or a helpline I've heard they do give you you know a few weeks off but actually it's it's all down to who your employer is and your relationship with your line manager oh wow 
and isn't it? It's it's shocking because how can an employer make a judgment call on your grief? How many days you need? You're not going to get over it after a day, are you? No, definitely not. Definitely not. Oh, that is that is awful. That is actually terrible. And and so perhaps you know there probably needs to be a policy in place where it's holistic and it takes into account that person's situation and that it's tailored to them and how they're feeling so kind of like how you just said about your experiences at university I guess what you needed by the sounds of it is um, something that was tailored to you right what was going to work for you that they needed to give you that time off they needed to have something for you right the give you the resources and say this look you can have this many days off this is what we can do but from what you're telling me, it sounds like while you were at uni, they, they either didn't have that policy in place or for whatever reason, they didn't give you that they didn't tell policy. <laughs> they didn't tell you or they, for whatever reason, whoever you was dealing with, they made that judgment call based on how they know you, perhaps. I don't know. And Yeah, definitely. And that's not, it's not good. It's wrong. Absolutely. It's wrong. It's not holistic because you've, what you've just described is another classmate of yours she got the time off or whatever I don't know what her circumstances were but you know but she was you know you mentioned were you not crying hard enough was she crying more and sometimes you know what is the reason yeah and I think the more I went into so when I worked for the students union I learned a lot more of of how many how how much how many resources that actually were in the university that mm. I was unaware of mm. and I think with with drama school in particular it's quite difficult because you are having to be your you are having to be a certain level of vulnerable and also it's about you everything is about you I think with other university courses it's all about studying and you're mm. learning and you're you you study you take something on and then you create something with that be it through your dissertation be it through um your exams or whatever else mm. but with drama school you're having to be there present mm. nine to 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 six mm. every day five days a week yeah but physically, mentally, emotionally, and Training. you have to give everything. Yeah, you mm-hmm. have to give everything in order to be good. And I think for a lot of people of colour particularly, yeah. it can be difficult when you don't have, one, people like yourself, mm. and two, when there's not an understanding of where you're coming from and also your background I think the curriculum is very tailored to a specific demographic of people Mm. and even though I was on a course that specifically dealt with culture other cultures the whole setup of drama school remained catered to a specific demographic it's Eurocentric yes and doesn't incorporate other cultures and other ways of living other Mm. other 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 understanding and and really 
opening up its doors. When they when you say diversity, um, it's not always it's it's not always just okay. Yeah, we're gonna study a black playwright. No, actually, it's about looking at your the students you have and what do they need. I mm. may not cry in class because where I'm from, you don't cry. Mm. So that's why I'm not crying in front of you people because in where I'm from, crying is weakness. Mm. And I don't want to seem weak in a place that I'm already vulnerable mm. and I'm already uncomfortable. So mm. I'm not, you're not going to find me crying in class. You're mm. not going to see me doing all of that. Mm. So you need to be able as, as an institution to look at your pupils and really say, really see, wow, this person has, has her sibling has passed away and she's still in class on mm. time with mm. work done mm. and is not saying a word even if she's okay let me offer these devices to her because obviously she's not gonna know when you go in freshers they're not gonna tell you oh just in case you have gr- um you're grieving here's where you can go they're not gonna tell you that at freshers why would they you know no university is going to do that but if you know that this that your student has gone through this yeah then you need to know where to to i'm pretty sure if i came and i was pregnant there would be questions there'd be suggestions there'd be all of this kind of stuff because i've got a baby and mm-hmm. that now means that I can't do certain things in class and it's hindering your lesson. Mm. But to, to undergo grief, it doesn't directly affect you as a tutor. It doesn't directly affect you as an as institution. So unless I start kicking and breaking things and crying and yelling and disrupting the class. So you need to then tell me, like, you know, this is here for you if you need it. If you mm. don't need it, fine. But at least it's here for you. Yeah. I'm like special treatment because my brother passed away but I'm expecting a level of understanding and care it's duty of care exactly I want to I want to graduate I want to do well Mm. and I didn't even know you can file for extenuating circumstances if that's the oh no I didn't even know you could and I a terrible mark for clowning um, because he just I don't think he liked me but anyway we move he I got (laughs) terrible terrible mark for clowning to the point where when you look at my grades that term it was just a dip a really bad dip in my essay in my modules in everything was just a dip and when I looked back after graduation I was like wow this this really affected my work you know and I really could have filed for extenuating circumstances and really got it up I mean I left with a first anyway which I'm glad about wow I really I really said like I could have thank you I could have really I, I could have done better and, and I could have, you know, like I didn't even know I could file for extenuating service. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know it existed. And, I didn't know that was a thing. That's their responsibility, actually, as an institution, wherever you study, school, college, university, drama school, that they actually tell you what you're entitled to because it's your human right. And they're, you know, you told them what had happened to you and you said you didn't do well in your clowning class uh, surely the tutor should have taken the fact into account that your brother had died and of course you're probably not 
are going to excel that term. Yeah, particularly when I'm having to be vulnerable, and uh-huh. it's all of, it's all about that. Literally, clowning is about being completely open and submissive mm-hmm. to your audience. Mm-hmm. This is the most damaging, like soul crushing. It was terrible. Sounds like therapy, mate. (laughs) Literally, I would have loved. It was literally therapy. It was an. It was an. It was an hour and fifty minutes of people talking about their dead horses and (laughs) tragic tragedy in their life. It was awful. And I mean, I would have. Couldn't it have been the term of 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 like African drumming or something or like. I don't know Shakespeare even. Why did it have to be that? <laughs> it just—it was just awful. The timing for you, yeah. Terrible timing, terrible. Wow, so clowning—I—it's I, new to me. Um, really, thanks so much. I feel like I learned something new about drama school and modules and what they teach. So clowning yeah. to me, if I had to compare it to something that I know, it sounds like group process when you're studying psychotherapy or counseling because it is very much checking in going around the room and being vulnerable and saying what's in your body and your mind at the time so yeah and then Uh, you kind of needed to so it was like you had to be truthful in order to be funny mm. and that like like a clown does like a clown would do stupid things and people would laugh at a clown a clown is very physical is as opposed to like stand-up comedy like stand-up comedians like Kevin Hart etc they are they've planned things and they're talking about funny experiences Mm -hmm. whereas with clowning you come with yourself you come Mm -hmm. as you are Mm -hmm. and you allow your own flaws and mistakes to be comedy for other people wow that sounds a bit disturbing as well that the same time because uh, I mean you revealed in your clowning class when it was your turn you said my brother had died so did people laugh at that like what I mean because it was in clowning class yeah but I was only doing as I was told you told me how my day's been I'm telling you how my day's been I literally just got back from London at 11 p.m like I I wasn't in the mood at at 9 a.m to be telling you guys my business but here we are, I'm going to have to. So this is the truth. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it was just... Uh, even... And I already had, like, a complex against... I didn't want to do the module, but mm. it's, you don't pick your modules. You just do it. And I already had an issue with the idea of, like, blackface and yeah. coonery and things like that sure. already... And it just made me feel weird to be doing clowning and then having to do it in front of this audience of like middle class white faces. And it just really, it just, everything about that whole module just stressed me out. Yeah, it would be. Stressed me out. Triggering. It would be triggering as your experience, in terms of your experiences as a black woman in the UK, but also London. Um, That's hard. So, you know, when you kind of revealed how your day was, that you came back to London, your brother had died, was there anyone in that circle that kind of was like, no, hang on a second, stop. Can we just stop a second? This is serious now. Was there Uh, anyone, any classmates, anyone? Your tutor? A few of them, well, the tutor kind of just was like, okay, well, um, yeah. Um, That's basically what he did. Um, There were a couple... um 
other students who were like I wouldn't say they were like my friends but they were kind of people who I kind of liked <laughs> there were a few right. of them I liked a little bit um and they kind of like came to me in a break and was like you okay I didn't know this happened to you like because I mean they wouldn't know I, I didn't talk to people about my business but they wouldn't know this unless they saw it on Facebook and I didn't post it on Facebook because who does that but it's not me there's not I mean people may but it's not my kind of thing sure. um and he like you know they were kind of like yeah um if you need to talk we're here kind of thing um and some people okay. just didn't laugh some people just kind of stared at me so yeah not yeah. everybody's like yeah not everybody laughed and the other people kind of awkwardly smiled at me because they didn't really know what to do and then yeah I mean there, there was some that like I, I'm making it seem like terrible there were some nice people in in my in my year who kind of like checked up on me even that 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 girl surprisingly that managed to get loads of time off I still don't know how but I'll ask her um she even was really nice and because she was on she was going through her own thing mm. and I think she kind of found like oh no like you're going through this too I'm going through this like if you ever need anyone I'm here kind of thing because I think yeah. her and herself needed somebody as well mm. Mm. um so yeah like she she checked up on me and there was people in the in the class that really like checked up on me which was nice mm. but, but then I then it kind of spread you know and then mm. other people would be like like random people like oh you're right like I heard you know and then it just mm. you're just having to and then like I've already explained what happened and I myself was already higgy hagger with what actually happened and people asking me like oh how did it happen I'm like I really don't know I I can't I could portray those the last two weeks to you but you won't understand it and it wouldn't make sense anyway and it's just gonna hurt me do you know mm-hmm. what I mean so it just mm-hmm. became a, a battle of like yeah yeah just... dealing with your grief having to explain while you're in your grief especially mm-hmm. when it's you don't know the reason you know how your brother had yeah. died it's unexplained and you know he was in the hospital for two weeks you said right yeah yeah, that's you know what you know when you're in an environment and people are just like everyone's asking questions and yeah it's hard that's tough I know people meant well but leave it (laughs) yeah it wasn't helpful for you yeah so was there anything are there any kind of words or phrases that really annoyed you at the time when people had found out that your brother had died, you know, when you extend condolences, was there anything that really jarred you? Um, um, not really. I would say the most annoying phrase for me was, oh, you need to be strong for your family. Mm. Because it was like, okay, mm. but who's strong for me then? Because if I'm being strong for my family, who do I go to? Um, And also, oh, you can come to me. Like, no, I'm not going to come to you. If I don't know you, I'm not going, I'm not, to come to you for what? Mm. For what? Like, what what am I coming to you for? It's Mm. only, it's like, I feel like some people. Generic. 
Yeah, or they they um, crave um, this kind of thing. They crave people, especially because I was a kind of person who was quite. I was I was quite say it as it is, and also I didn't really show my emotions mm. that much in in class and things. Um, and yeah. I think they kind of craved. They were like, "Oh, finally, she's gonna," you know. And you know, I I just found it a bit weird that there was people that I didn't talk to coming to me like, "Oh, you could talk to me about anything." I'm like, I know you just want to know my business yeah and I'm not gonna come to you and talk about anything because you're gonna tell your friend and I don't want them to know <laughs> yeah it's, it's more about them not really yeah. about helping you yeah and um um yeah there was another one but I can't does be strong for you from um come to me about anything and yeah, I can't remember it. It'll, it'll come to me. But the, mm. it's just ingen. It's just the ingenuine, the kind of generic ingenuine ones. I don't mind like, oh, my condolences to your family and things like that, because you know this is what you say. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was when meant... I posted on, eventually posted on Facebook mm. um, about the funeral, you yeah. know, or to say thank you to everybody that helped with it more yeah. than anything um and it was more like a letter to family more than anybody else. sure but sure but most of my classmates are or university friends are on or through facebook and yeah so that's when a lot of them saw what was that what actually happened and my tutor actually commented on the post and i was like what actual egg <laughs> that actually, actually come with your chest to come um, what what was the comment if you don't mind like, me asking it was like my condolences to you and your family you're such a strong brave i said ah you're you <laughs> the devil yeah something's coming for you but it's not me you could have been stronger had they bloody given yeah. you some leave and then it was like my, and then obviously my family was seeing it like, oh look, your friends and your 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 te- teachers commented. I was like, yeah, guys, but <laughs> yeah, they they give they give them the benefit. Nah, don't do it. Mm. They they give them that. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was it was deep. Yeah, social media is a funny one as well because yeah, yeah. how people are on social media is very different face face to face what they would say to you uh could be a bit follow the crowd I guess I don't know yeah and it's easy to just hide behind your screen and just say is I find it whenever I do see posts like that with like Mm. someone who has passed away I usually call the person Mm. if I'm close enough to them I will Mm. call them after I see I'll be like oh I saw your post on Facebook I hope you're all right you know and and also if it's somebody I'm not close to, then I'm not going to say you can come and talk to me about anything because you you won't, you know? Mm. Like, I'm not the one for you to come and talk to. But I will say to them, um, however you're dealing with it, deal with it in that way, but make sure you talk to someone. Sure. And that's that's all I'll say. It's someone. Yeah. It doesn't have to be me. 
Yeah. I come and force myself into your life now. Yeah. We're yeah. not close. Mm. And if you want to talk to me, then yeah, you would. Mm. But just talk to somebody. Yeah, talking and, is healthy. Yes. Yeah. There's not there's no point coming to force me into there's nothing to do with me. This is about the person and their relationship with the person that's passed away. Mm. And it's just about like that person knowing that you care mm. but also just not forcing it like we mm. weren't boys before we weren't we weren't best friends I'm not gonna now be your best friend and I'm not gonna pretend mm. you know mm. wow gosh it sounds like you went really went I mean it's so hard when somebody you love has died but then have to deal with all that stuff with the environment you're in is yeah. even harder and the things that people say and what is actually well in- intentioned and what isn't and what is just yeah. ticking a box to say I'm sorry because they've said it and it makes them feel comfortable yeah, um, oh Andrea bless you um so for you the people that were strong was your friend that held you where you were able to cry in front of him and then your squad that had yeah. made that dinner for you and they that was your therapy really so yeah, I'm kind of, Mm. so I'm kind of and I, I'm really happy to hear that because a lot of people that share their stories with me sometimes it's the opposite so it's really refreshing to hear that um would you say there was any kind of conspiracy of silence or any other losses in the aftermath of your brother dying and when I say conspiracy of silence do you, do you know what I'm talking about or no so conspiracy of silence is when people know what's happened to you people that are close to you or in your daily environment they know what's happened to you but they don't say anything they avoid you Hmm. they know the event happened but they're just avoiding you yeah I think any close friends or family or anything that comes to mind no um no I I I don't think we had much of that, of, like, people that were close to me. Mm. I don't think we had much of that just because of the type of person my brother was. Yeah. So it was kind of like everyone that knew me mm. and knew my family were like, raw. Like, this, it, it was kind of like a thing where it was like, oh, they must be having it hard. Sure. And I think nobody, eh, no, nah, definitely not. Everybody that had, even even people who... I was close to and haven't spoken to in ages, like exes and like yeah. friends from like ages ago that we don't talk anymore, like had a yeah. don't talk anymore. They were popping up like, I'm actually sorry to hear that. And not even in a, oh, my condolences to your family. It was like, genuine. No, I am actually sorry. I mm. know how much he was to you. Like, Genuine, and it was like those people. I found that it was more like, if you need anything, I am here. And it wasn't even in a way that's like, come talk to me. It was like, no, no, no. If you need help, if you need me to carry the coffin, even yeah, proactive kind of thing. Yeah, it was shopping, cooking. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely like, yeah, no, there was definitely not any of that not any of that and it was actually quite surprising to see how many people that I hadn't spoke to in years who then found out and how they found I don't know um 
there was I mean he was he was quite a pivotal person in like the community particularly in northwest London yeah and they had a they had a kind of fun day yeah in the local youth center yeah he mentioned his name and some of the people that went to my primary school and secondary school were there mm. and they heard that's how they heard about it because again I don't really put po- I didn't really post much about it um and they came and you know they sent me messages like oh just at this event and heard your brother I'm so sorry you know mm. we're here you know when's the funeral when's the nine night when you know yeah kind of yeah United yeah definitely like definitely nah that definitely didn't happen but I can imagine for some people that must be hard man yeah Uh, just go through that to the conspiracy of silence is you know it was new to me but also because I work in bereavement full-time yeah um and also speaking to some of the other guests that have appeared on the podcast uh, they talked a lot about many other losses because people didn't know what to say, and you know there were, you know, you know. I'm sure you'll hear the episodes, uh, you'll hear their stories where they've had other losses, like you know, boyfriends breaking up with them, uh, best friends no longer best friends because they didn't know what to say or they weren't there or they disappeared. They didn't they didn't show up basically. Yeah um so yeah and it can happen to some people but it doesn't happen to everyone and I guess it because people deal with death and dying in different ways for some people it's comfortable for others it's awkward it's guilt it's shame so it's a different story for everyone um so yeah it sounds like you come from a really strong community and obviously everyone that knew your brother you know it was a big shock and disbelief and yeah it sounds like you all were together you held each other which is lovely and his friends even his friends um because he had one particularly strong group of friends yeah and like all of them have now become my big brothers lovely like they will all come to my shows they, oh. if, if I if I was ever stuck I could call any one of them and they'll come pick me up um yeah. they'll call call me every so often just like how are you and mm. you know they have this nickname for me Pookie because that's what he used to call me oh and they'll be like you're right Pookie like everything good you know like just even drop me a text every now and then and mm. yeah it just feels like I've I've gained rather than lost to be fair yeah so I mean as you talk about you know gained and over loss what would you would you because I mean I talked a little bit about identity loss and you know some people they have different personalities after someone dies it could be that they are in a good way or in a bad way so 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 you've talked about gain would you say that you had a bit of identity loss in a good way yeah I would actually I would say that like it my identity got my identity i my identity got reaffirmed in a way yeah it kind of like like i already was quite hard working and quite driven mm. but i'd say it kind of just heightened it and mm. it made me work harder and put a lot more work into everything that i do other th- rather than just some things like mm. usually it just be academic that mm. I would be like full focus on yeah. but then I kind of became the kind of person who 
not only became like work driven but also emotionally driven as well and um aspiring to to love and to yeah like yeah it, it was changed really, you. yeah it really changed me it really made me think like oh now life is actually very short and I then became a lot more open with my emotions I was quite guarded before and mm. I would often put work first above like relationships and anything friendships anything like that that yeah. was with other people and afterwards I was just like you know what you actually only live once and it's very very short mm. and I was it I just became the kind of person who just said it as it was and to to some extent it was a it was pretty bad because obviously mm. some people that I was say holding things back from to protect and preserve the friendship and things like that yeah. I'd say some certain things I would just be like well this is this and then like whoa like you've never been the kind of person to do that and I'm like well we need to progress in life and this sure. kind of thing but then also there was other times where I wouldn't say how I felt about somebody romantically yeah and now I've become the person that's like you know what this is how I feel about you and beautiful things have come from it yeah you know? so in some ways actually vulnerability and that growth it's a it's a great thing when you're vulnerable in a way yeah it, it can bring bring great results definitely yeah wow Andrea Lange what a story your story <laughs> honestly oh my gosh and I have so you know I haven't met you yet I'm sure we will meet at some point yeah. um so much love for you for what you went through at your university in in during that time um really I'm kind of you know really shocked but also angry for you and mm. I I guess I want to explore that a little bit I, I I mean it sounds like you were really you know there was injustice happened to you yeah. I, I kind of want to decipher this anger actually what it means in grief what's your view on that good bad healthy um it depends I would say it depends how you how you channel that and mm. I mean that in the sense that's like Yes, I was very angry. And I think the, when I look back on it, I get even more upset because, you know, when you when you have an argument and then you think of all the good things to say after the argument, mm -hmm. it's kind of like I wish I had said a lot of the things that I say now then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hindsight. I, I kind of needed to go through that in order for them to realise that there was an issue with the mm. system. And definitely mm. when I when I became um, student union president and shook tables, it like, oh, this is something. And it's kind of like, it was like one, I had to go through that in order for it to not happen to anyone else. Yeah. And, um, Paved I, the way, didn't you? Yeah, in a way. In a way. Yeah. There was people before me, but in a way. And yeah. I think with, um, with that, in relation to to my grief like yeah it was injustice and yeah do I wish it could have been better but yes I do but it still fueled me to work even harder and yeah. as much as yeah there was a dip in that term that next year my third year 
I was not playing. Yeah, you smashed I, it. it. Yeah, I came in with all types of energy, all types yeah. of energy and said, you lot, like, I'm going to leave here with a brilliant grade. And mm. when I do, I don't want any of you lot to scream anything because it's not from you. Mm. This was me. <laughs> this is all mm. me, you know? 100% all you. And I'm really curious to know, as you say that, actually, Andrea, what drives you? What's your motivation? It's continuing what my brother started. Mm. Like, if you talk to any mm. person in my family, you will, you will know just how influential my brother was. And... Mm. I don't want that to die with him. I want it to be something that continues. I it's want, a legacy. Yeah, I want everyone... I don't want it to be wasted. Mm. Everything that he did... And, and my brother worked tirelessly. He was the type of person who would still be at... He, he worked 24 hours on his business. Not even eight hours. Not nine to five. My brother worked 12 to 12 on yeah. his business. Yeah. You know? And that was everything for him because he saw it as an avenue out. You know, he... He grew up in Northwest London in um, estates, and yeah. he he wanted if his family is gonna be there for them to be comfortable. He wanted us to be comfortable and to build and bring our community up. Like that's mm. all he wanted is a, a successful like black excellence, you know. Yes. Yeah. And what what drives me is that dream to see my family up there. Mm. I, I I'm not trying to I'm not trying to leave ends. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I am definitely trying to change it. And no no gentrification kind of thing. But I'm definitely trying to create black excellence. And uh, you touched on something very important there. Growing up on in social housing, council estates, not yeah. trying to leave the community, but also your your you don't agree with gentrification is what I'm hearing. Yeah. So what you're saying is that you're putting this all back into the community, into yeah. the area by driving this excellence. Definitely. It's, it's, about, it's about uplifting the people. Mm. You can't just drive build them out. new flats mm. and raise rent prices without giving jobs for them to have, you know? Mm. So it's about building, gro building growth and wealth from within, and that's what my brother always taught me, and that's the driving force is making sure everybody around me is building their own wealth from within themselves. Mm. A self-belief, a self-love, and therefore self-worth, and then you get wealth from that. Once you believe in yourself and you believe in your craft and you believe in you as a person and what you want from life, mm. you, you're there. I, I feel like where I, where I came from had so much hate and upset and pain Mm. That, that's generational but also to do with just the way society looks at it yeah I saw a play um called Misty mm. and um really good it was a one-man show by yeah. Arendtine and there was the first like kind of it was like spoken word and music and the first thing he said was um he related his he related London to um he called it a city creature and he called it a creature yeah. and then he said that the creature needs organs to power it yeah. and he said the boroughs of London are all different organs mm. and he said that his borough is the bowel where all the waste is 
Oh wow! Made me in. It just was like wow. This mm. is this is true. I I empathize. Like people perceive it as waste, as like waste people. And it the whole thing was about like gentrifying and gentrification. And he was saying that all of these he he called he referred to gentrification as like take the taking over of cells, um, like anti antivirus cells. And he was like, the antivirus cells are getting rid of the viruses, which is um, the people the, of the community. The poor community. Actually, yeah. maybe they are the virus. And what if those that were trying to gentrify were the virus that are trying to take over what is an already healthy community? And when I heard that, I was like, that is such a brilliant way to describe what is going Stunning. on. Here. Yeah. It's it's that, isn't it? It's the belly. It's the it's the belly of of the you know. It's where it's where the passion comes with the energy. Yeah. It's all in the stomach. It's all it's all there, you know. Yeah. And all the, yeah. And yeah, I just think from from there, I was like, yeah. Wow. And, you know, I really wish my brother got to see it. It got, recently came out, and I think he would have loved that. He would have literally lap that whole thing up he would have loved it and you know it's those things that's like what would brother do in this in mm. this situation and it's that's that's my driving force definitely mm. wow it's such a beautiful legacy and story that he's left behind with you and the rest of your family Thank you. and it's it's carrying on um so we talked there about communities. So I want to ask you, Andrea, what's your view on representation in our communities, in black, Asian, minority, otherness, difference? What does that mean for you, representation? So important. Like, mm. it's just so important. I, I cannot stress enough, even just through, like, everything I've spoken about with 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 drama school like mm. I after working in the in the student union and I I remember this first year student came to me one day um this was like middle of the year and I was you know we're, we're quite close um and she's very talented and I just you know she just came to the office and she just kind of was like I can't sleep and I was like well why what's wrong and she was like I just feel so out of place I feel like I'm not supposed to be here I feel like I don't feel comfortable and mm. as she was saying that I was like this is this was me this was literally me in my first year isolated even though I had my friends around me it's yeah. like when I go to class I can't feel it most of my day I'm just by myself you know yeah, yeah. and I just I just hugged her and I, I don't know whether it's allowed not allowed I don't really know but I just hugged her and I just mm -hmm. said, you know what? You are supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. You are meant to be here. And you do not understand just how important that it is you, you being here. Because mm -hmm. one, one girl is probably looking at, the, looking at this drama school thinking, I'm not supposed to be there. And then she's going to see you. She's going to see me. And she's going to see all these other others just here. And she's going to know, oh, he's going to know, ah, I do have a space there. And that's what it's about. It's about belonging. Belonging. And 
um, you said obviously we we connected through the BAME Creative Hub, mm. and that's exactly why I made it because I said, well, we've we've tried to wait for diversity to enter already existing spaces, but how about we create our own? How about we empower ourselves as people of color in mm. order to show younger and older just people other people of color that actually let's not wait anymore let's there's a possibility that we can be part we can join together mm. and be part of our own our own um community and our uh, building up our own wealth and our own um representation and you can be a part of it mm. you can be a part of this growing creature this uh, this you know and 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 be successful yeah by your own means yeah taking charge of that and driving it because BAME the term actually it's a concept that was created for us by white communities actually yeah BAME so I really like that you kind of like fine they've given us that label let's us control it and let us drive what that means for us Definitely. In um in university I started a society called the Coloured Theatre Society. Yeah. And everybody hated it. I, I did we weren't allowed to use it for a while. Why? But I why? Said, well, why? If you lot wanna come if you guys wanna come and, and be thrown around these terms, I'ma take that term and I'ma make it my own. Because obviously you lot wanna be using this. I'm a I'm a I'm a benefit from it, you know. I'm a, I'm gonna make I'm a, I'm gonna make it work for me, and yeah. um, that's even how I started the production company because I was like, guys, with my friends, I was like, guys, we are the we are the minority in our current situation, but we're not the minority in the in the universe in the space in the world. The 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 um diaspora of people of color is crazy when you look at the world as a as a as the world we aren't mm. the minority it's not us. no we're not no <laughs> it's no. not it's definitely not us with no, how many no. billion people in asia billions in africa billions we are not the minority okay no so let us embody and embrace mm. us as people the talents and the the um energy that we bring to the table Mm. and use it to be successful in our own right Mm. and with hidden views and the BAME creative hub and anything else that I do I want other young um and old let me not even be ageist with this I want other people of color to look and be like oh I can do it this this is something I can do, and even with with this podcast you have here, um, I, I, I'm I, I'm in awe, and I actually love it so much. I think it's beautiful what you're doing here. Um, I want them to be, you know, they'll look at this and be like, "Wow, there's actually something for me to go to. This is something that I can, I can be a part of. I can tell my story. I yeah, can. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Have and a voice. Have, yeah, have a voice, and maybe I don't have to be. Um, maybe I don't have I don't have to hide how I feel 
maybe yeah. I I can be that. And it's that representation is so is so important, man. I will never, never not stress it. Never not stress it. And you're never gonna never stop fighting for it either. Hundred percent. It's what it. It's definitely what what drive is another thing that drives me. I'm so with you on that. One hundred percent. I can empathize with that as also a person of color because yeah. it's, it's important it's very important and the more of us there are the more it is a win for not just one community but all communities because it's a bit of culture right yeah a hundred percent yeah and it's exposure for communities that don't understand those other cultures as well mm-hmm. it's food for thought um Wow, really beautiful. I'm just in awe of how beautifully you explain that. Um, so I guess before we wrap this up, um, I know you didn't seek grief counselling at Andrea, but I was just wondering, you know, because you, you had a nice environment that you were in and, you know, your mindset and your mentality and how you deal with things. What is your view on grief counselling and just counselling in general for people? Um, so, I, I mean, I, I didn't do it, but I want to. I'm, I'm not against it at all. And I definitely okay. will um, when I get some time. But I think when it does come to it, I, I think it's good. But when it does come to the time, I would love to speak to somebody who is like me. Um, yeah, a black woman, a black a therapist. Black, yeah, a black woman, a black therapist. I'm not necessarily black. Like, I'm I'm open to any person of color, really. But um, just somebody who preferably comes from London, preferably has an understanding of of where I'm coming from and my background, just to give me that that comfortability and that feeling of okay right I can trust this person yeah um, and I'm not going to be judged I'm not going to be looked at um pitied or anything like that just calm you know yeah. and I think counseling is good I think talking is good I would always say talk talking in any any sense is is good and I do I do look I do hope to go to counselling at some point I just think right now there's just the, the ball is rolling uh, yeah uh, and it's just it's, it's getting bigger and it's just growing yeah and I think um when I have the time and I'm in the right mind space right headspace for it I will yeah. definitely go and uh yeah. I, I mean um I think my I think my mum did it I wasn't really here when she was doing all of that but I think she went to counselling um grief counselling and she said it helped yeah she said it really helped do you recall who that was with was it a charity or privately <sighs> or no I'm not even sure okay. I think she was referred though okay the doctors oh so, GP okay yeah, I think it was a GP referral so my guess is it'll probably be something on the NHS in NHS yeah yeah okay well that's fantastic to hear that you're really open to it and you're absolutely right it's when you're ready to have that conversation and go down that road and um when you do I wish you all the best with it 
Um, and I absolutely am behind you in terms of finding the therapist that's right for you, that's from your community, that's from London, that's from a BAME background. That's really important in psychotherapy just because psychotherapy is, a you know, you're probably not going to be surprised to hear this. It's a white middle class female profession. And actually there are very long waiting lists for BAME therapists on, you know, on the NHS and privately. So yes, you've touched on something very important there about your needs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I hope when that time comes, and I am sure you will, um, that it will all go well for you. And I'm so happy to hear that you embrace it, obviously, because I'm in the cancelling psychotherapy space. I, that's yeah. what I'm going to do my postgrad in, hopefully, next year. Ooh, good luck. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, part of this podcast actually is was built off the back of my level one and two cancelling early this year otherwise we wouldn't be here really um so yeah no you're welcome thank you for sharing your amazing story about your brother Darren so I want to go through one or two things um before we wrap this up like do you have any final comments before we go over to the gratefulness challenge i mean are there any charities or groups that you want to shout out projects that you're working on what your social media handles um yeah definitely um i would say like as a as like a a rule or shout out like go and search for what your rights and what you what you're entitled to and really like look and and put put people in their place when it comes to to grief because they're not going to come to you 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 need to really really do that and I, I say that um particularly for students because it's easy for us to think that we're going to get kicked out or you it's going to affect your grade honestly this is about you and your rights and mm-hmm. the university is supposed to work for you so that's mm-hmm. like a little thing um you're paying them so yeah definitely um i think this podcast is brilliant Aww. so share it <laughs> thank you share it because I know I will be um but yeah uh, my handles my twitter uh yeah instagram um, twitter um all of that is andrea v s f l um and then on that you'll find like my other company like hidden views um avl creatives um my talent my talent agency and also um the BAME creative hub as well you'll find yeah. that hidden views on Facebook um and yeah I mean I'm just working on a show at the moment called down there in the mind of the conscious yeah. um and it's basically a play that deals with stereotypes and also like black love and black relationships yeah um, so yeah and I'm also in the process of writing it's funny I'm actually in the process of writing a book about my brother but oh, also, wow um with that oh, I haven't really told, I haven't told anybody this like oh, okay, anybody. But, okay. Um, yeah it's 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 coming along definitely. oh Andrea I can't wait to read it I will be one of the first as <laughs> many to buy it 100 percent. that's so beautiful so what are you grateful for let's do the gratefulness challenge you want to go first or shall I um you you go first 
Uh, I am grateful for a few things. Um, tonight I had to drive back in horrible rain and all the drivers, um, surprisingly, were being very good to each other, you know, <laughs> driving slowly on 50 miles per hour roads and it was a lot of patience because it was really dangerous out there. So yeah. I was grateful I came home in one piece, actually, um, you know, on the motorway and the A40 and that. The other thing that I'm really grateful for is speaking to you today, Andrea. I realized that sharing your story with, you know, a stranger, you know, with, you know, just sharing a story in general, actually, even with someone you know, it's a really hard thing to do. And I'm really humbled that you shared your beautiful story with me today. Really, I am. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, what, what are you grateful for, Andrea? I would say that I am grateful for the support and the love that my family and friends give to me on a daily basis um, because there's nothing more important to me than than them, than, than my support network. Um, I'm also grateful for the opportunities that I seem to just get. Uh, this in itself this opportunity to speak to you on your podcast um the and and the fact that it was through a page that I set up that I never even yeah. would expect for something like this to ever happen um I'm just I am very grateful for people like yourself that are out there you make you um speaking to you today has made me realize that I'm not alone in my feelings um yeah. about like society the way the world works and things definitely and uh, I'm very grateful for people like you oh. um and I'm also grateful for life yeah. um the fact that I'm able to breathe I'm um able to walk talk um I have all my all my senses I have um I have a roof over my head clothes on my back mm. um money in my pocket yeah I, I'm I'm grateful for for life the life I currently have that was Andrea Lungay she was talking to me about her brother Darren who sadly passed away unexpectedly in 2017 Andrea Lungay left drama school with a first class degree she wasn't made aware of extenuating circumstances, but she still left with a first class degree. How amazing is that? If that isn't resilience, I don't know what is. I think what struck me the most is when Andrea said to me, if I'm strong for you, who's strong for me? That felt so powerful to me. Shout out to Andrea. She's doing some amazing things. Let's wish her continued success in everything that she does. You tuned into the bereavement room and I am your host, Colsima Ali.